God, I just thank you for what you're going to do tonight. God, I just thank you that it's not about being at church right now for the sake of being at church, but you want to move in our lives. You want to bring change. You want to set us free. God, you want to allow us to see things how you see us and how you see the lives that we're called to live. So I just pray that you'd bring a new level of freedom tonight. God, I just pray where there is fear, there'd be breakthrough. And God, I pray that we'd step into everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can take your seats. Um, as I was just standing there, Vanessa, I met Vanessa just on the second row there as as um, as we were worshiping. And I just really feel, um, Vanessa, that God wants you to know just how much he's marked you. There's just such a sense of God's presence on your world, just a sense of his heart and his love towards you. And I just have this such a sense of him drawing you to himself. And as he do, I, I feel like God wants you to know that he's safe that he can be trusted to keep giving him your devotion, keep giving him your all. And you just watch the path that he's going to walk you into, the influence that you're called to step in, the leadership that you're called to have, that you're going to look back and see, oh my gosh, look at how many others know your goodness because of the obedience that I've stepped into. So an encouragement there is a mark of God on your world to keep stepping into obedience, knowing that God is so trustworthy. He is so good. So just wanted to give you that encouraging word. But we are going to turn in our Bibles tonight to Luke 8, verse 40 to 55. And it starts with, When Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. And a man named Jairus, the synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. When Jesus went on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing around you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, and I know that power has gone out from me. When the woman, seeing that she could got no unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she'd been instantly healed. Then he said to her daughter, Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone from the town of Jairus, the synagogue leader, said to him, Your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Do not be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go with him except Peter, James and John and the child's mother and father. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him knowing that she was dead, but he took her by the hand and said, My child. And you love that. My child, get up. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. What an incredible passage of scripture. So Jesus is on his way to heal Jairus's daughter. Jairus comes to him asking for a miracle. And Jesus is like, yep, I'll come to your house and heal her. So he's on his way. And as he's on his way, this woman in desperation, imagine having a condition, a bleeding condition that left you ostracized. Someone with a condition of bleeding like this woman was ostracized from her entire community. She would have had no family that 
she could connect with, no life. She'd done everything to try to be healed. And in a moment, she reaches out and touches the hem of Jesus's garment and she's instantly healed. And Jesus, it's not just enough for her to be healed. He has this moment with her where he calls her daughter. And then Jairus is watching all this unfold. And and then someone comes to him and says, don't bother the teacher anymore because your daughter, she's dead. And you can imagine the devastation that Jairus had in that moment. Your daughter's dead. We've got an 11-year-old daughter. This girl was 12, year old, 12 years old as a parent, being told your, your child's dead. There's no hope. But Jesus turns to him in that moment and says, Jairus, do not be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. See, he had a moment where he had a choice, Jairus. Would he step into faith or would he settle in fear? See, faith is this thing we actually have to activate in our lives. It's something we have to step into where fear is something that is just waiting there for us to settle into it, for us just to be consumed by it. So what I'm going to speak about tonight is the gyrus junction, stepping into faith or settling in fear. See, so many of us are hit with moments in our life where we have that gyrus junction. Are we going to step into faith or are we going to settle in fear? I remember my first time ever preaching. It was with a group of about 50 teenagers. I was about 20 years old, and the youth pastors at that time had asked me to preach. And this room was full of teenagers, and I was absolutely petrified. I'm like, what do you talk to teenagers about? Like, I, I'm not going gonna, gonna to fail. I'm not going to be able to do this. And I remember Craig introducing me and sitting on my seat, and everything in me was like, run, Nadia, run. While you still can, just run. Get out of here. What are you doing? Just run. And I had to make that choice in the moment not to settle in fear, but to step into faith, to step into that zone of, well, God, you've just got to move here because I haven't got it, but I know you have. And there's been so many times, time and time and time again, where I've had to make that choice to step into faith rather than settle into fear. We had to make the choice to move to Melbourne leave all our family behind, just brought our first home to step out into faith. It was a conscious decision not to settle in fear. The building project that we've just stepped into as a church, which you know is a $30 million building project. It's a biggie. To step into that, it's a choice. Okay, God, it's another step of faith. I'm not going to settle in fear. Every day we have the choice. Are we going to step into faith or are we going to settle in fear? See, the thing is, fear has been so elevated in our society today. Wherever we go, we hear about the power of fear. We watch TV, we hear about how many people, you know, depression rates, anxiety rates, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. And it gives us the illusion that fear is far more powerful than it actually is. But see, fear is an emotion that God has given to us. Fear has, um, God has designed and enabled us to live with fear in a way that we overcome it. See, an article in Psychology Today says, fear, like all emotions, is basic information. It offers us knowledge and understanding if we choose to accept it. So God has given us fear as a warning sign of what we need to do to protect ourselves, but he has never designed us to live controlled by fear. 
Instead, he's designed us to live by faith. Like the word of God says time and time again, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, for we live by faith, not by sight. Hebrews 12 verse 2, we must keep our eyes on Jesus who leads us and makes our faith complete. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love and a sound mind. Zephaniah 3 verse 15, which is a verse that's been very close to my heart lately. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. The Word of God says over and over, we do not need a fear. We're not designed to be in fear. See, psychologists, I did my degree in psychology, so I love psychology and love how it lines to the Word of God. But psychologists say that all fears come back to three main fears that we fear as humans. The fear of death, the fear of abandonment, and the fear of failure. And the incredible thing is that when Jesus came, he destroyed every one of those fears. He destroyed the fear of death by coming and dying on the cross to show us that this life that we live in today, like we've seen with Pastor Mary, it's just a vapor. It is literally a vapor. And then we go into eternity. If we know Jesus, we spend an eternity in heaven with him. And that is why it's so crucial that our lives are set with looking to Jesus, allowing him to be our straight and narrow, the path that we take. The second thing is that fear of abandonment. And what did Jesus say when he left? He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will leave you the Holy Spirit. And we constantly have his Holy Spirit that is with us. He never leaves us. He never fails us. And that last one, fear of failure. What does it say? The the Apostle Paul, he says, I boast in my weakness because in my weakness, his power is made strong through me. So when Jesus came and he gave us the Holy Spirit, he set us free from every one of those major fears. How amazing is our God? How incredible is he? God's intention is for us to live free from fear. Well, I know what it's like, you know, to feel that overwhelming sense of being stuck in fear. But I want to encourage you tonight that God doesn't intend us to live our lives in that way. Remember when we moved to Melbourne and I went to Ikea shopping. Any, you guys know what Ikea is? Yes. Do we have it here in New Zealand? No? Oh, a bit of a sore point. But we, we have a few in Melbourne, and I'd been to Melbourne. I love Ikea. Craig hates Ikea. It's a, it's a bane in our marriage. I love to spend money there. He doesn't like me spending money. And then he has to assemble all the, the packs that you buy. And it's great times, great times for our marriage. And, uh, and I had just been to Ikea, and then I got on one of these motorways in Melbourne. And Melbourne is insane. Anybody been to Melbourne before? Yeah, so many of us. It is so easy Hopefully it's just not me, but to get on a freeway where you just end up on the other side of the city because you've taken a wrong turn. And so I did that one of those days. I, I took the wrong junction point, ended up like going to the other side of the city. And once you're on that motorway, it's no getting off. And so I remember phoning Craig in tears, just being like, I'm stuck on this highway I'm heading west and I cannot get off and he's just like calm down babe calm the farm you will reach an exit point soon when you when you reach that exit point just get off turn yourself around and come back you know when it comes to fear it can sometimes feel like we're so stuck on this highway 
We're so stuck in this way of thinking. We're so stuck in this way of doing our lives. But God wants you to know there is an exit point coming up. And the exit point is making that choice. Okay, I'm going to choose to live by faith. Instead of settling in fear, I'm stepping into faith. So, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we don't battle with fear, but, it, it, but we know what it is to overcome it. See, I love what Max Licardo says. He said, the presence of fear does not mean you have no faith. Fear visits everyone, but make fear a visitor, not a resident. So that we learn to overcome it. We learn to tackle it. We learn to live in victory when it comes to fear. So the first thing in stepping into faith, not settling in fear, is it comes from a posture of humility. It comes from a posture of humility. Jairus is the synagogue leader. He is esteemed in society. That's why we know his name in Scripture. He's a man that's esteemed. He's a man that is well-known. But he forgets all of that when he runs to Jesus. He gets down on his knees and he begs Jesus for a miracle. He has this posture of absolute humility. You know, the name Jairus means God enlightens. And he has this moment where Jesus, you are what I need. My daughter, my, my daughter's hope, it's only in you. Jesus, you are my desperation. Jesus, I need you. And he's in this posture of absolute humility. See, humility is this place where we realize that we have absolutely nothing but Jesus. We have absolutely nothing but the presence of God that is there, able to move through us, able to do the miraculous through us, able to perform wonders through us. See, faith starts from that posture of God, I need you. But I love that over and over the Bible says, do not fear because I am with you. That is the revelation that we need, that we do not need to fear because the God of all gods, the King of all kings, He is the one that is with us. Like Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil because you are with me. He is with us. See, the posture of humility is realizing who we are, but at the same breath, realizing who is with us. See, we are dust. We are dust. The Bible says we were created from dust and we are literal dust. We are decaying every second. You know, when we dust our bedrooms, maybe some of us don't do that. Mum does it for us. But you know, when we dust, 20 to 50% of dust is our skin cells. I know. I read this the other day. I'm like, I'm never going to dust the same again. I'm like literally dusting my body away. But we are decaying. We, this, this, the Bible calls this body a tent, a temporary tent that we're in. We are decaying till we get to the point where we cannot live in these earthly bodies anymore. And then we go to heaven. We are dust. Yet, as dust, God breathes his spirit into us. We are dust, yet we get to know the wonder of what it is to walk with this incredible God who loves us, that created the heavens, that created the universe, who loves us, adores us. See, we, fear comes from this trying to grapple with our own control. 
trying to, trying to grapple with things in our humanity. We were never created to do that. Faith is about trusting Him, trusting that He created us, that He is God, that He is Lord, that He is the one in control. We're not. Our son came home from high school the other day. We've got a 14-year-old son. And he goes to me, you know what, Mom? If the earth just stopped spinning for like a fraction of a second, all of us would be sent 800 miles per hour into, you know, the, into oblivion, and the entire world would be destroyed if just one second the world stopped spinning. I'm like, wow, how awesome is God? He is totally in control of this entire world, this entire universe. We can't control it. If you're a greenie, you know, a climate person, that's awesome that we protect our world, but we can't control it. He's in control. And faith comes from that sense of, God, I cannot control it. You are in control. I've just got to step back and trust you because ultimately, if I try to grapple for control, it's just going to lead to more fear. I've got to learn to trust that you are in control. The second thing, stepping into faith rather than settling in fear, trust the goodness of God. Trust the goodness of God. Imagine Jairus. He'd been waiting for Jesus to come into his region. His daughter would have been getting sicker and sicker. And he'd been waiting for Jesus to come. And then Jesus comes and he says to him, yep, I'll, go, I'll agree to come to your home. And they're on the way to the home. And, and as they're on the way, the woman reaches out and she is healed. And Jesus has this moment. Can you imagine Jairus in that moment? Like if I was a parent, I'd be like, Jesus, who cares? I'm sorry, but it's about my daughter that's dying. Like Jesus, stop. Like come, Jesus, come. Like uh, my daughter, she's dying. And then Jairus gets the word that his daughter has died. And you can imagine in that moment, and Jesus says to him, Jairus, do not be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. Jairus in that moment had had to make a decision to trust the goodness of Jesus despite what he was seeing, what he was hearing. He had to make a decision to trust in the goodness of God. And honestly, out of all things I would say tonight, I would say the number one thing that has set me free from fear is just knowing the goodness of God, knowing how much He's with us, knowing He's never going to leave us. He is an awesome God, learning to trust His character. And about you guys, but at school, when I was in high school, which is a few years ago now, we would, we would do this game where you would like stand on the tip of a really high object and fall into the arms of other people to catch you. Anybody else play that game? Few of us. And you would, you would question whether people were going to catch you based on the character of that person. I go, oh, yeah, those guys probably think it's quite funny to drop me. No, I'm not going to trust them. You did it based on the character of the person. We trust based on someone's character. And that's why when it comes to trusting God, we've got to know the character of our God. 
We've got to discover the goodness of who he is, the wonder of who he is for ourselves, not just because of what other people have told us about him, but discovering the wonder of who he is for ourselves. See, I love what 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13 says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. If we know how much our God loves us, if we know how much his thoughts are towards us, it is easy to trust if you know his love. You know, it was funny. We were driving home from work the other day and the kids started this conversation about who was the favorite about, of all our kids. So we've got three kids, Zahn, our oldest is 14, then our daughter Hope, who's 11, and then Ezekiel, we call him Easy, as our youngest, he's five. And they're, so they're having this battle in the car about who was the favorite. And, and all the kids were like, well, mum, we know that Easy's your favorite because he's the, the baby of the family. I'm like, that is so not true. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, it's kind of true. And, <laughs> and, then and then Hope's like, well, mum, I know that I'm dad's favorite. And then and Zion's like, yeah, 100% Hope is dad's favorite. And I'm like, no, I'm doing the PC thing. I'm like, no, none of you are our favorites. We all love you the same, just differently at times. You can win our favor by giving me back rubs tonight. Then you can be favorite. But Hope was absolutely convinced. She's like, I know I'm dad's favorite. And I said to her, babe, why do you think your dad's favorite? And he says, she says, well, he always says he's going to kill a man. If he ever comes, you know, and messes with me and he'll end up in jail because, you know, he'll deal with the guy. So he just loves me. And, and then I, again, I said, and because the boys were there, I'm like, dad loves all of you exactly the same. But when their backs were turned, she's like, it's me, eh, mum? I'm the favorite. Totally convinced. Totally convinced she's the favorite. I was like, how awesome is that? That our daughter, totally convinced she's her dad's favorite. Imagine if we all walked with that kind of assurance. I'm God's favorite. My God has his eye on me. Just knowing the wonder of his love that we walk with that kind of revelation. See, when it comes to the gospel of John, gosh, the apostle John is awesome. I love it. In the book of John, he refers to himself as the one that Jesus loves. And you read that and you're like, Jesus, how wrong of you to have favorites? Like, how, how, how is that okay? You had favorites until you realize that John is the one writing the book. He's the one calling himself the favorite disciple because he had such a revelation of the love of Jesus for him. We need that same type of revelation that, man, my God sees me. He loves me. I'm his favorite I'm never abandoned by him. His eye is always on me. He is always with me. See, I love that the Apostle John also wrote the scripture, 1 John 4 verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. See, that term drives out means to push out fear because love is so great. And I've always looked at that and wondered, yeah, but where does it kind of, that that's part of the scripture where it says fear has to do with punishment. What is that about? And you know, one of the earliest things that psychologists found when it comes to, to fear is that fear is a conditioned response. It's a learned response. We don't wake up, we're not born with fear. We learn it because we're punished. 
Say a baby goes to touch fire and it's punished, given a little smack on the hand by mum or dad because you don't touch that. So that punishment teaches the baby, okay, I will not reach for the fire any, anymore. So we learn to fear based on punishment. So the Bible was ahead of times in saying fear has to do with punishment. But then it goes on to say, but perfect love drives out fear. Every time I have struggled with fear, I've come to realize there's a revelation of God's character that I need to build a revelation of in my own heart and my own spirit to tackle that fear. So say, for example, if I'm struggling with the sense of I just don't feel like I'm worthy, I don't feel like I'm able, then I need to grow on the revelation that God has chosen me. I'm set apart for Him. So with Scripture, I'm, I'm wrestling with Scripture. I'm growing my knowledge, my knowledge base of who God is so I can know the wonder of His love for me in a greater way. Because when we know His love, it pushes out all fear. An amazing example of this is, when I, well, when we were growing up in high school, my brothers, I've got three brothers, they love to, to play hockey. And I remember watching one of my brothers <clears throat> play hockey one day. And he was about 14 years old at the time. And at one point of the game, the hockey ball just drove, was hit and went right into my brother's forehead and split open his forehead. And blood was just going everywhere. And my mum was watching from the sidelines. I was with her. And all of a sudden, my, and my mum is like the sweetest person, like would not stand out in front of a crowd at all. She's quite shy. But the next thing I, I know is my mum is running onto that hockey field at full speed. And then she starts yelling at the top of her lungs, It's okay, mate! Mummy's here! <laughs> and I remember watching this, just going, Mum, what are you doing? Do you realize what you're doing to his manhood? Do you realize what you're doing to him right now? But now that I'm a mum and my son is 14, man, I wouldn't just run onto that field making sure he was okay. I'd be grabbing a hockey stick, chasing down the kid that would dare to hurt my son. Because something just takes over when you're a mum. When love takes over, you don't fear. You're not fearing what people are thinking. You don't, you don't fear what your son thinks. Love takes over. And it's like that when it comes to our relationship with God, when love takes over, we start to walk differently. We start to talk differently. We start to operate differently. God wants us to walk in the revelation and the wonder of his love. And you know, there's nothing like speaking the word of God over our lives to break the power of fear especially that emotion that we can feel when it comes to fear. There is nothing like speaking the word of God over our lives because the, the Bible says the word of God is a double-edged sword. It breaks emotion and spirit apart, the Bible says. So when we speak the word of God, we're speaking directly to our emotions. We're telling our emotions who's boss. We're telling our emotions, this is what my God says. This is what my God says about me. I'm standing in this truth. I'm not going to settle on what my feelings are telling me. No, I'm standing in the truth of what God says about me, who, how he loves me, what his word says about his thoughts towards me. So when we speak the word of God, we're declaring God's love over our lives. We're declaring his goodness over lives. And it's amazing what we, what we can see, what we can step into when we declare the word of God. God is towards us. He is for us. 
recently through church, we had this beautiful little boy, JJ is his name. He is 19 months old. And one night after dinner, he had a massive heart attack just out of nowhere. And he was given CPR for two hours by his mum and then paramedics when they got there. And we got a text, we were just, Craig and I were just about to go to bed at night. We got a text saying, hey, JJ has had a cardiac arrest, but had CPR for two hours. And the doctors have told us that by tomorrow morning, he will either be dead or brain dead. Those are the two options. Then I felt God say to me in that moment, that is not going to be the case for JJ. Psalm 91 is the promise over his life. And so I, I te- which is a, a big moment you have sometimes as pastors when you feel this word of God for somebody, but then the doctors have given this report. But I text the mom and I'm like, Sarah, this is what I feel God is saying. We've got to stand on this word. And so she did. She stood on that word and she had Psalm 91 up in that hos- the hospital room. And it was honestly, it's been miracle after miracle. The first miracle was that they could get him on life support. Usually when someone's had CPR, especially a little child, they cannot get them onto life support after that amount of time. The first miracle was they got him on life support. And then it was honestly miracle after miracle. Every time the doctors kept saying, there's no way he's going to come back from this. It was miracle after miracle, six weeks of miracle. And little JJ just three weeks ago walked out of hospital with no cognitive dysfunction whatsoever, completely, utterly, utterly healed. And the parents, they just kept standing on the Word of God, the promise that God has given them, and they continue to. Sarah's like, mate, I keep battling fear. It's a huge thing to see your child go through that. It was so beautiful a couple of weeks ago. This is how profound our God is. Sarah said to God, well, I want to go back to church, but would you give me the clarity that I need to go back to church? And so I, and she said to God, I want to see a rainbow. The next moment, a rainbow appeared in the sky, incredibly clear rainbow. They came to church the next day and we had a visiting pastor visit and he called them out of the crowd, not knowing who they were. And he said, I see this prophetic picture for you guys as a family. I see a rainbow over your family of God's protection, his hand, his favor, his goodness is over your lives. We have a good God who wants to us to know how much He's with us, that no matter what we walk through, He is the God that is with us, always by our side. How amazing is He? The third thing is in stepping into faith, not settling in fears, securing our sonship, or being a daughter of God. How beautiful is it that when If the band can join me, please. How beautiful is it when the woman with the issue of blood reached out and she got the healing that she'd been searching for for 12 years and she got it from Jesus. But it's not enough that Jesus just heals her. He stops and he says, who touched me? And she comes forward and he says, what does he call her? Daughter. Daughter, your faith has healed you. You know, the incredible thing about our God is that when we choose to believe in Him, we choose to trust Him, we become His. We become His son, His daughter, set apart by Him. He protects us, the Bible says, as soon as we are His. He is with us. He comforts us. He is securely with us. It says in Galatians 3 verse 7, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. 
That's simply because we believe. We become God's kids. And he never fails us. He is always constant. He never is going to let us down. Simply because we're his. He takes ownership over us. Like he says to the woman with the shed blood, daughter, your faith has healed you. There is nothing like knowing that we are His to break fear. There is nothing like knowing that you're His son, you're His daughter to break fear over our lives. I remember for me, it was just just after Ezekiel was born and I was just, I found myself in a really hard place. I found myself completely stuck in fear. And I remember we had our sister's women's conference coming up and it was in New Zealand. I was having to travel with Ezekiel to New Zealand. And I remember it just took everything in me just to get to conference. I remember just feeling so stuck. God, how do I get out of this thing? Just was consuming me. And I remember the first night going to the conference and I had this pink jacket on. And somebody before the conference and even got started, this incredible woman of God came out to me and she said, hey, I want you to know that God gave me a prophetic picture before this conference started. And I saw someone with a pink jacket walk in and God wants you to know that He has you and He is never going to let you go. And for me, that prophetic word was what broke the power of fear in that moment for me, knowing that He had me, knowing that, that he was never going to let me go, knowing that I was his. And there's some of us who are here tonight, and you need to know how much he's got you. You need to know how much you're his, that you're never abandoned, never forgotten, that you're his, set apart. Mate, I look at my own children, and you know, for this world... A healthy love from a parent looks like you would do anything for your children. I would honestly, when I look at my kids, I would do anything for them. I would jump in front of a bus if I needed to. I would give my own life for my children. I love them that much. And God says, I have far greater love for you than any earthly parent could ever have. You're loved by Him. You're seen by Him. You're secured by Him. He's got you. And I just feel like tonight, God just wants to come and He wants to surround so many of us with His love. And He just wants to break the power of fear tonight for us to discover the wonder of just how much He's with us. Why don't we stand to our feet? And I'm going to ask you just in a moment, if you would like prayer tonight, maybe for any reason that I've talked about. Maybe it's just to know His love in a new way that fear would break. Maybe it's to know that He is with you so much that that power of fear has no hold whatsoever. Maybe it's to step into greater faith so that fear won't have that same hold. I know God wants to move tonight. And I would love you to come down the front. I'm going to pray with you. I'm sure a team's going to be here to pray as well. We're just going to believe for the power of fear to be broken because it's not how God designed us to live our lives here on earth. He's designed us to live in freedom. So come on, why don't we lift our hands to heaven?
Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you are here. And God, I just pray right now that you would give people confidence and courage to respond to you. God, I pray right now that fear would not have its way. Right now we speak to fear and we command you to go in the name of Jesus. God, I just pray right now that there would be freedom in this house. God, that as people step out from their seats and step up to this altar, that there would be freedom at this altar, that the power of fear would be broken and your love would come and consume instead, that there would be a revelation of your love tonight, a revelation of your goodness, a revelation of how much you're with us, a revelation of the fact that we are yours and because we're yours, nothing of the enemy can touch us. No plans of the enemy can prosper because you are the incredible God who's with us. So I just pray right now, give us confidence to respond to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So come on, why don't you come down the front for prayer? We'd love to pray and let's believe for just this, for a fear to break and for God's faith to come, faith to arise instead in the name of Jesus.